Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome in. It is 11 o'clock. Time for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. The 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the game TV. Chris Clark jumping in here with myself, Tyler Head, and Wes Mitchell. And Chris, obviously we've talked a lot this morning about the news coming out yesterday of Ontario Hardesty being relieved of his duties as the running back coach, which, you know, as far as staff changes go, maybe this wasn't the one that people put it at number one on the list, but could be the first of, of a few that, that could be happening here in the near future. What was your reaction to hearing this yesterday? Yeah, I, I've gotten that question a lot. I'd say Wes and I both gotten that question of, you know, was this something that was really a surprise? And, and, and look, I think there were a couple different more than a couple several pieces of information that led us to believe that things wouldn't be status quo from you know 2023 to 2024 one thing is you can just look at you know the fact that South Carolina went five and seven you can kind of you know make that leap if you want to but in terms of just actual information you know Shane Beamer himself publicly you think back to his uh, press conference on early signing day on December 20th he was asked, hey, is your staff going to be the same? And, of, and of course, he wasn't going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm making this many changes and here's what's going to happen. But he did probably more than he's ever done leave that door open, saying, hey, we're, we're still working through that. We're focused on recruiting right now. I'm going to do everything that it takes to you know make those hard decisions, and, and I'm working through that and we're assessing that. Um, and you could tell, you know, obviously he wasn't happy with the way the season ended said it wasn't acceptable that South Carolina was going to a bowl game. And so um, aside from that, you know, you hear things just kind of behind the scenes that, you know, some changes were afoot. And so, no, this one, it, it wasn't surprising that a, we saw a change, but B at this particular position, if you just kind of look at what has transpired, you know, over the past three years, we know um, from a recruiting standpoint, from an on-field standpoint, now there's a lot to unpack there. Right, We could spend a lot of time on all the different reasons, but we know that the run game obviously is an area that needs to be better for South Carolina, and a lot of that at the running back recruiting, uh, running back position is going to go back to recruiting. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I think if you're if you're Shane Beamer, like, I, like we had somebody call in earlier and they were like, if you think this move's going to fix everything, uh, and, you know, I, I think – we need to judge this offseason and, you know, pretty much everything to do with this offseason, whether it's roster, whether it's staff, whether it's, like, the overall plan, after it's all complete. So just yes. just, just because, like, no nobody's saying this is, like, the move that's going to fix everything. You know, but I, I think Shane Beamer was, was very patient with, with that spot mm-hmm. and – you know, it's kind of unique in that whoever comes in, we'll see who it is. Whoever comes in, they actually are going to inherit a very talented room and a, and a pretty experienced room. And so you may look at that and be like, well, 
that that room's not the problem right now. But I, I do think you have to acknowledge the situation they were in going into this past season where, you know, we, we talked, frankly, all offseason, running back was one of the, what, top two or three spots we talked about all offseason as a, being a, an area of concern. And they ended up having to move somebody to running back mm-hmm. who had really never played it before, and, you know, he, he ends up starting. So uh, I think ultimately they they had to end up playing – you know, DJ Braswell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a situation where it seemed like they, they maybe wanted to redshirt him. And so I, I think you look at that spot, and from a surface level, you may say, well, man, what's this all about? Like, they're in a good position there. But I, I think this sort of dates back to the spot they were at at running back going into this season. And Tyler and I were talking earlier, Garnet Trust Hour, Chris, the higher. We don't know who it's going to be yet. Yeah. But for every sort of checkbox you would have for a coach at, at any position, they're going to be in different orders. And for me and for a lot of people, running backs coach, number one on that list, the number one checkbox that you want to sort of take care of is going to be recruiting for a running backs coach. Oh, 100%. And you can kind of structure – like you look at, say – an offensive coordinator, right? Because some offensive coordinators are going to coach. We've seen OCs that have coached running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. You even see some that coach O-line, different combinations. If you've got an OC, you, your main thing that you need him to do is, is is call plays, right? Structure the offense, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you've got an OC who's really good at recruiting quarterbacks, for instance, great. But biggest thing with an OC, you need him to be able to call plays. Biggest thing with an O-line coach, great recruiter is is great, right? But you have to be able to develop at that position. With running back, it's not that coaching's not important, development's not important, but it's about acquiring talent, right? And and I think when you look back, there have been, let, let's be fair about this, there have been too many misses with high school guys, even portal guys, I think you could say, because remember in the class they brought in Mario Anderson, actually wanted two backs in that class from the portal. They got one in Mario Anderson. He was a good player. And they've done well in the portal this year. But you look at high school recruiting, that's still an important component. They've had too many misses. So you bring it forward. Yeah, surely, you, you, certainly you got a good portal class this year. You got a, a good high school player, Matt Fuller, and you got three guys from the portal. But look forward in 2025 and beyond, recruiting and doing be- even better in the high school realm you know, is obviously going to be critical. And so that's – I think that's a big reason why you've you've seen a change here. And with that, again, everybody that has committed to play for South Carolina as a running back in 2024 came in with the anticipation that Montero Hardesty was going to be the running back coach. And I saw yesterday DJ Braswell, you know, had a tweet in reference to the, the firing that was disapproving because, you know, that was obviously the guy that helped recruit him and bring him here to South Carolina – how does that change things within the running back room for the period of time now where you, one, don't have a running backs coach, but when you also bring in a new guy that not everybody has a relationship with, not everybody's going to know or, or know how they're going to be utilized going into next season? Yeah, it's, it's a realization for the guys that, hey, it's a business. And you kind of, you, you know at, at any point that can happen when you play college ball, but you, it's probably one of those things where you never, you don't, you don't think it's going to happen to your guy. 
you know, and, and so, yeah, for especially a guy like Braswell who, you know, let, let's be fair on, on all this, um, you know, Hardesty did a, a really good job recruiting him and evaluated him, identified him early and uh, pushed for him, was able to get him in the boat. And by all indications, there's a really good relationship there. So, obviously, you don't want your guy, if you're a player, to, to be the, the person that, that gets cut. And so, you know, for him, it, it's going to be a – probably a down couple of days and you know hardesty by all indications i mean great personality very likable guy and you know i i think you look at what mario anderson told us about him and the job he did sort of breaking down his game and then building it back up in his time at south carolina so the guys in the room really like montario so yeah, if, if you're Braswell, you're going to kind of see what this new guy's all about. You're going to kind of evaluate your situation and, and then go from there. But uh, I think for, for any kid, it can be a little bit of just a, a gut punch when their assistant coach who runs their room every day is now out. We we got to – I want to go a little bit bigger picture, something you hit on earlier from the last hour, Wes. We have to – stop doing this thing where we we say something's not going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we got to stop this. And, and I know it's going to continue, but I, I just I feel strongly about this. You know, we have seen a lot of different timelines across college football. Some of it just has to do with, with when your season's over. But South Carolina was not the only school that made a coaching change or coaching changes you know, right after the portal window closed, right, um, for for most everybody. Um, Brian Kelly fired his entire defensive staff, and not right after the bowl game. He waited a few days. You know, D- yeah, Dabo Swinney got, you know, he, he made some coaching changes right after the regular season game. But there are different timelines, and there's different reasons. You know, we, I saw so many people say, obviously Shane Beamer's keeping the staff the exact same because he hasn't done it by X timeline. That, that wasn't the case. And just because you saw one, I, I know you can just look at it, like you said, West surface level and say, okay, there's one, that's probably it, right? But you've got different timelines for different situations, and so you gotta, you got to keep that in mind and you got to look at the whole picture, whether it's, you know, when does the offseason actually end? Well, not on January 4th because it's not over in recruiting. It's not over in coaching. We still got the coaches' convention. Is on January seventh through the tenth. There's often a lot of movement in college football at that particular time as well. So you got to keep these things in mind. Well, and and we know how chaotic the college football calendar is. There's really no perfect time, I guess, to do these kind of things. Especially when we talk about the months of December and January, because of course, in the for a lot of teams, you're dealing with bowls and stuff like that. But you also have early signing day. You also have the transfer portal being open. Like there's so much movement. There's really not like. I guess a set day, like, yes, this is the perfect time to fire a coach or make a staff change here. Just kind of depends on, on each team individually at the end of the day. Yeah, there, there's no perfect time for any of this stuff. You you look at some people will say, and I, I agree in theory, hey, let's move the portal window back. Well, you do have this thing called class starting. So that, that really kind of throws out any potential changes you can make there other than maybe a small tweak or shift, you know, from, from one week to another or maybe just a smaller portal window. I, I don't know the answers, but there, there's always something going on 
in, in college football. So there there is no perfect time at all. You you don't want to wait until you know July when you you've already been through spring practice. So I I don't know when the perfect time is. Tyler and I talked about this earlier. Some some schools take like the NFL route of hey day after season, you know that's it chopping block. Other coaches decide to wait, and sometimes maybe coaches maybe coaches don't know yet. Maybe they're kind of trying to evaluate and and see what the situation is before they make a move. We'll get more of your thoughts. Got uh, people waiting on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. We'll get that coming back as well as continue to assess the future of the running back room as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour rolls on. As always, presented by our friends over at Firehouse Subs. I'm on my way there, not not right now, but right after the show. I say you leaving, leaving yeah. us. I, I mean, I early? may because I'm hungry, and this firehouse sub that I'm looking at looks great. I'm gonna head over to the home base, Lake Murray location, and I'm actually gonna take advantage of one of their promos, guys. They've got this going on until tomorrow at participating locations, which Lake Murray Boulevard is one of those, and you can get a free medium sub with the purchase of an additional medium or large sub, chips and a drink. So get a combo, and then you'll get a free medium sub. So me and the wife. We're going to enjoy some Firehouse Subs today. You can do it, too. 14 Midlands locations, locations all across the state. Firehousesubs.com or the Rapid Rescue Firehousesubs.com. More on staff changes in the running back room up next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, streaming live on the game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you. Obviously reacting to the news yesterday afternoon that came out about South Carolina moving on from Monterey Hardesty as their running backs coach. A lot of you weighing in with your thoughts this morning. I want to go out to the Love Chevrolet phone lines. Welcome in Lee, who has some thoughts on staff changes. Lee, first of all, thanks so much for your call. What's on your mind this morning? Hey, good morning. How y'all doing today? Great. Um, I just think the firing of the running back coach was just somebody had to fall on the sword. Somebody had to be fired, and that was the guy they chose. When actually, if the offensive line's been playing the same way, why can't – that's the guy that needs to act. The, the games are won on the line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line. And ever since I can remember, we struggled at both areas. And they don't, they, we hadn't had a good offensive line coach in, in forever. And I'm just wondering why that change hasn't been made when that seems to be the most obvious one. All right, appreciate the call there, Lee. And I, I can understand the sentiment because one of the biggest issues this entire season was obviously the offensive line, which reared its ugly head in game number one with Rattler getting sacked 87,000 times. And it obviously has an effect on the run game because I don't care how good of a running back you are. If you don't have good blocking in front of you and holes to run through, you're not going to be very successful. But I'll bring up some stats that I brought up a little bit earlier when talking about Hardesty, who obviously has been the coach during Beamer's entire tenure here. The statistics on a year-to-year basis consistently fall on the bottom of the SEC. Rush yards per game, 10-plus yards rushing, rushing touchdowns. Like, this isn't a one-year thing with South Carolina's offensive line being bad in 23. South Carolina's consistently performing at the bottom of the conference in most, if not all, rushing categories. So there's a consistent theme going on here. They very well could make a change on the offensive line. That could be maybe happening in the next week or so. Who knows? But just the fact that, you know, again, the first domino to fall is the running back coach. I don't think that is... um, a scapegoat for the offensive line by any means. It's just one of the decisions yeah. that they decided to make. Yeah, so two things. So, so number one, and, and it's a good thought, Lee. I mean, it is fair to point out, hey, what about this area, right? Because we could say, 
Um, well, what about the defense, right? Um, the thing to keep in mind is let's not talk in final terms right now. It's January 4th. There was one coaching change made. And, and I think, look, a lot of times coaching changes do tend to come in batches. Um, when you see Brian Kelly, extreme example, he said, hey, not just my D.C., the entire everybody defensive room gone. Clear out, gone. Right. So you see that. Like I used the Dabo example earlier. He dismissed two coaches, one on each side of the ball, or parted ways, however you want to put it. Like you see that sometimes. But again, they don't have to come in a package. So let's let's just let it play out and see what happens. Now, if if this ends up being the only one, and if I'm a betting man, I would say I don't think so, but let's see. If that ends up being the case going into the offseason, then that that point may stand and and we can all talk about it, right? I would also say all these different things work hand in hand. So I think that firing a coach is not always the only answer. Where some of the running back struggles last year were on the line, like like Lee said. Some of the offensive line struggles last year were on the running back room. You could say some of the O-line struggles, maybe their own scheme. You can you can make all these different arguments. Some, you also can't say, you can't say, well, that's just an excuse. They did have like nine or ten injuries on the O-line. Now, that's not every season, to Lee's point of, of this being a long-time struggle, but it was last year. You can't just ignore that part of it. Point is, it's a complex kind of issue, but I, we, we don't need to talk in final terms on coaching changes and just saying, Beamer just made a change for change's sake. That's it. That's the only thing he's going to do. I think when you look at the context of him making that move, it, it did make sense. It, it's not one where you just go, I, I cannot believe that that happened. But we also need to recognize it may not be the only one. Yeah, for sure. Spe- speaking of running backs, y'all, do y'all want to know a little sort of breaking national running backs oh, news? Oh, oh yes, there. please. This one... <laughs> This one is crazy. So, and I, I I had to double, like, I had triple take to make sure I wasn't getting caught by one of those Twitter fake accounts because this one is so out there. But just another example. Nobody is safe from the portal. According to Matt Zenitz, 24-7 Sports, Ole Miss star running back Quinshawn Judkins has informed Ole Miss that he plans to enter the transfer portal, according to sources. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. Ole, Ole Miss was set. I mean, they're a preseason top ten. Might should be top five. I mean, you can like what in the, for the playoff, for crying out loud, for the most part. Assuming they utilize the talent that they have, you, yeah. I mean, I will say I talked to somebody who's real close to the Ole Miss program when all the Juice Wells stuff was going on, kind of digging for Juice Wells, and it was mentioned to me. There's a oh, there's a little talk about Quinshaw Junkins, and I said, oh, okay, whatever, you know, it's fine. You think he's looking around, seeing, seeing what other guys are being promised? That hey, that's something you got to consider. 
Because yeah. otherwise, I mean, from a football standpoint, makes no sense. No. Uh, 1,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five hundred plus yard games this season, 177 against LSU, like an integral part of that great offense this year. Yeah, and he, I mean, literally might have been the best running back in the SEC. Wasn't he the leader that year? Remember you went through 2022 when Rocket was like second in the league? He was number one. In in all <laughs> the PFF categories, like yeah. – um, Runs over 10 yards, runs over 15 yards, first downs, missed tackles forced. Like, all the little things that you would look at and say, hey, that makes a pretty good running back. Rocket was, like, second in the SEC in just about all of them for that season. And then it was Judkins that was first in the conference. So, I mean, it just goes to show you again. I mean, no, nobody's safe. No, nothing should I, – I sat no. there and told everybody yesterday – Nothing should be a surprise. It was a little surprising. And people on the game TV probably just saw me with my jaw on the floor when I read that. I literally was like, wait, don't get caught by some. I was expecting to look at it and it'd be yeah. Matt Zenitz with two Zs or something. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I mean, of this is true. It, it, because now, I mean, you, the the kind of um, reaction, like the natural reactions to look at like a portal entry that, Still doesn't make sense. Even knowing what era we're in, looking at it and saying, that just doesn't make sense. Like the one here was putt-powered, right, for everybody. That just doesn't make sense. And then you look kind of inward and you're like, there's got to be something wrong. Well, there's not much going wrong at Ole Miss right now. And you've got this going on. So he's from Montgomery. Can I go ahead and start the speculation of him going to Alabama? Sure. You can start the speculation of him going anywhere. (laughs) Or Auburn. Um. He'll be very sought after, to say the least. That's true. Yes. I got a uh, I got a text, shout out, my personal firehouse subs text line, our guy Kev Roche. He said the running back room rebuild continues at South Carolina. That's a good <laughs> pull from Shane. <laughs> no, no, no. Just to be clear, I do not think Quidshaw Junkins coming to South Carolina. If he wanted to, they're not going to say no. <laughs> Nobody would say no. Yeah, uh, whatever the most loaded running back room in the country is, they would not say no. Well, even though it won't feature Quinchon Junkins, we'll take a look at South Carolina's running back room in the wake of the news at the change of running back coach. But before we hit the break, our guy Dreamy Josh informs us we have a pair of tickets. Oh, yeah, shout out Sunday, Josh. Not Saturday, Sunday. The women's basketball team takes on Mississippi State for game number two in conference play, first conference home game at 1 o'clock out at Colonial Life Arena. Caller number five right now, 803-404-6100. Win yourself a pair of tickets to go see the women play Mississippi State on Sunday. More of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Up next, you have the game, the game app, and uh, the game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you. On your Thursday morning, continuing to talk about running backs here at South Carolina. Of course, in the wake of the news of Martin Terry Hardesty being relieved as the running back coach yesterday. And, you know, you go back to a season ago, and Chris mentioned this, where South Carolina obviously had a Mario Anderson in the transfer portal. But going through the entire offseason, we did not know how he was going to fare making the jump up from Division Two to Division One, And he ended up being perfectly fine and, and was obviously RB1 by the end of the season, which 
He's now since transferred elsewhere, but um, there was no other ad in the portal, which was a desperate need for South Carolina, which is why Tekaron Jordan ended up playing running back last season and didn't quite pan out how people hoped he would have. But in it, essentially, 180 has been made in, in the week since the end of the season where South Carolina has obviously you know, going to be having the returning of DJ Braswell, Juju McDowell coming back from the injury, um, Matthew Fuller coming in as a um, uh, true freshman running back. But you also go to the portal and add Rocket Sanders and Oscar Attaway, two guys, as well as Howell from South Carolina State, uh, three guys that are good reason to be excited about, obviously led by Rocket Sanders. We've seen what he's been able to do in the SEC. But this running back room and a whole lot better situation going into 2024. And, again, going back to, to one of many reasons why you wanted to make this change, going out there and trying to find the right guy to lead this now much more talented group that you have this year. Yeah, it's it's a an impressive group. I mean, you, you had to add some volume, obviously, for competitive depth, but not just bodies, not just warm bodies. You needed some guys who could come in and really carry the load for you. And I think you needed more of a, like an alpha, like a running back one there. And, and I mean, Rocket Sanders, not to discount any of the other guys, right, because – Oscar Attaway, average six yards a carry. Juwan Howell, yes, at a lower level, he showed that he could carry the load and be the guy at SC State. And it'll be similar for him. He He's stepping up a level, right? But he has some traits that you really like. But Rocket Sanders is kind of your starting point because he's a guy that has run for 1,400 yards in the SEC in 2022 and just has a load of talent and a load of versatility. And so that's that's the kind of guy that you kind of you've been pining for, whether it's a big time high school guy or a big time transfer portal guy. He's the kind of addition you wanted. But then you look at Attaway again, six yards a carry. Jawarn Howell almost eight yards a carry uh, in his first season at SC State and the size that he brings. Um, you've got a lot of different types of players with different skill sets in here as well. You're adding a lot of experience, you know, at this particular spot. Um, you've got more depth now. And then you're adding, like you said, Tyler, a talented freshman in Matthew Fuller. This is someone who, you know, had back-to-back really big seasons playing good quality ball in Georgia and uh, was someone that wasn't a big-time recruit, kind of garnered more attention later in the process after he committed to South Carolina, particularly from Georgia Tech, but a lot of things to like about him as well. I I think he can – Matt, Matt can kind of get lost in, in all this because of all the other guys South Carolina added. I, I am in some ways just as intrigued to see what a Matt Fuller can do. Incredibly intrigued by Jawarn Howell, who I, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you, you almost look at the addition of Howell as replacing Daniel Hill. Um, yeah. You know, if you go get a portal guy that has three years of eligibility, that's very similar to going out and getting a high school player. Now, I I think there was a time when I thought that may be even better because now they've already transferred. However, the way things are right now, anybody can transfer um, at almost any time as long as there's there's a portal window. So there are fewer and fewer limitations on that. But still, you do have that added advantage of seeing what a guy looks like on the college level, granted, you know, it's not at the FBS level in this case, but you, you got a pretty good look at, at what he was capable of. And so I, I look at him as kind of being that Daniel Hill replacement. 
and I uh, I think is one of the I think probably one of the more intriguing, potentially most underrated gets for South Carolina in that portal class. Yeah, seeing how you know the most common one of the most common questions going into any season is all right at running back. How do you see carries being split? And typically the answer is we don't know. I mean, you got to you, you kind of got to see um, how guys perform in practice, how they perform in games. You know. We could see one guy end up taking for this season the majority of the carries. We could end up seeing it kind of being a little bit more of a one-two punch. It's just hard to tell. But they will have some guys where you're not, you know, yeah, we'll have to wonder a little bit, all right, how is Howell going to translate? Can Fuller kind of make an early move and and earn himself some early playing time? Um, Oscar Attaway will be transitioning up a little bit more, you know, group of five to SEC. And then Rocket Sanders, you know, he he's a he's the most known commodity because he's done it at this higher level. But how does all that shake out? I, I think if you're setting early odds, certainly Rocket being running back one, yeah, that makes sense. But how does the rest of it shake out? And so I think this is one of the more intriguing off seasons at this particular position, just because there is a good bit of healthy competition there. And the obvious, who's coaching them? Well, yes. That was yes. my next question. I've waited the entire show, but oh. anybody at the top of your list? So a lot of people, because this news came out when I was on the air with Dimitri yesterday on the halftime show, and I waited for your guys' confirmation to be able to talk about it, but immediately people start throwing out names, like Deuce Staley being one of the first ones. I've been informed by a lot of listeners this morning that Deuce Staley does not have a college degree, which would prevent him from fulfilling that role. I've obviously recently fired from the Panthers. Yeah, that's... Um... That's what I've always heard. Is that's the rule? Um, I guess it still is. I don't. I guess I don't as far as say I know. I mean, yeah, that's just going off what a lot of people have been saying. So that would be which. And for Deuce Staley, he's coached in the NFL entirely up to this point in his career. Like, and look, Black Monday's coming up here in a couple of days. He's got the rapport. He's been around the league for a long time. He's been an assistant head coach. I imagine he's probably more aligned to want to stick around the league anyway that seems to be where he's been you know what what fits him naturally and um obviously the money's pretty darn good up there so even if he had the opportunity to come down to college I don't think it would be a surefire thing that he would jump at this job as much as people might think he would yeah I agree and I mean let's just go ahead and talk about him man all the fans are Jimmy Smith has kind of emerged as a name a lot of fans are, are talking about Arkansas running backs coach is from Darlington, and, you know, you look at the situation in Arkansas as well. I, I, I mean, he, he would be interested in the job, 100%. I, I can say that. Has recruiting ties to the Southeast. Obviously, there's a pre-existing relationship there with Rocket Sanders. Um, Oscar Attaway is from Arkansas, originally the state of Arkansas. So th- there at least is a knowledge there in terms of this would be a guy who would come in potentially if that was the move and already know, you know, several of the guys that are in the room for, for South Carolina. So this one, that name makes sense, right? Just like you see why fans bring him up. You see why Carolina would would possibly make contact there. We We just don't know about it on the South Carolina end in terms of who is the top priority target for Shane Beamer. Ultimately, that's what matters. Sometimes when a guy sort of just makes all the sense in the world, at least on the surface, 
it doesn't ever materialize. Yeah. Other times, you and I were texting yesterday, credit to you, you said Travian Robertson, this was one of those where mm-hmm. everybody was like, hey, man, they should go hire Travian. They should go hire Travian. And we were hearing Travian, but we kept going like, all right, is there somebody else? Is there something we're missing? Is there anybody else we need to be checking on? And then it was no. just like, no, <laughs> it, it's Travian. Yeah, so, he, yeah. I mean, because there's always this this phenomenon where people are like, just just hire a guy that played here, you know. But number one, not everybody that played here is cut out to be a coach, even if they were a great player. There are a lot, of, actually, a lot of coaches who were great who weren't very good as players. You know, Travian was both. You know, he was a really good player. He made the NFL, and so, like you said, Wes, he made he made all the sense in the world, and then it ended up happening. You know, and so does Jimmy Smith to me, make all the sense in the world for this job. Yes. Does that mean it'll happen? I can't sit here and say at 11.43 on Thursday, January 4th, that it will. But does it make sense? Yes. Is there a chance of it? I'd say so. Yeah, I, I would I would think he's on the list. Like, I, yeah. I think that's that's probably pr- pretty safe to say and, and did a good job with that room at Arkansas. Also, from what I understand, recruited some other guys to Arkansas as well. Um, their linebacker. Pooh Paul. Pooh Paul. I believe he was primary recruiter there as well. So he he's it, it would make a lot of sense. Come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Get some of Chris's thoughts what we saw last night in the Under Armour All-America game. You're listening on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you for a few more minutes. Last hour, uh, Wes and I got to dive into this. We want to get your thoughts as well, Chris. Last night was the Under Armour All-America game. We got to take a look at a few different Gamecocks in action against some of the other four and five stars around the country. And perhaps one of the highlights of the entire game, one of the standouts, was definitely Dylan Stewart and what he was able to do on defense, sacks, pass deflections, just being all over the field. And uh, plenty of reason to be excited for what he's going to do as a Gamecock this fall. Yeah, it was interesting. We were just talking about him yesterday before the game as far as his upside and all the tools that he will bring to South Carolina. And, man, he he showed that early, right? I mean, going against – we knew you'd be going up against good competition in this game, but some of the highlights that he put on tape were against Jordan Seaton, who's going to Colorado and is the number one offensive tackle in the country. And uh, he got the better of him a couple times. So sometimes you get a guy – where you're like, this kid has all the tools, but he's going to, how much developing is he going to need? Or sometimes you even know, hey, it's going to take a while to develop this guy into a football player. But sometimes you get a guy who's a mix of, he has all the tools. He's going to be a really good player, probably NFL type talent, but also probably can help you early. And I think that's what South Carolina has in Dylan Stewart. Now let's lower the expectations. He's not going to have, Probably not going to have 15 sacks as a true freshman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when you look at, you know, similar, you made a good point earlier, Wes. The two positions that we talked about in the preseason the most, now this expanded into like offensive line and other areas, is running back and edge. That is constantly running back edge, running back edge. And so they've solved, we think, at least on paper, the running back issue. That, that picture looks a lot better. But edge is one where you knew South Carolina had to get better. It's going to have to be through the portal, like a guy like Kyle Kennard. 
and it was going to have to be through high school recruiting. Dylan Stewart's a guy that I think you can count on for the future to be really, really good, but he's probably going to be able to give you something as a freshman too because um, this guy's quick, he can run, he's got size, he really just kind of checks all the boxes that you look for in a big-time edge prospect. You said let's lower the expectations. You want to you raise, raise the expectations. I think I, you can raise them from maybe from where they were, right, after seeing him in that game. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he still has to put it all together from like a down-to-down yeah. basis and just a day-to-day basis. But, dude, I mean, I we're we're not our, our, we're not going the clowny route because that's just not ever going to happen. That's that's banned. It is banned. But so I'm not I'm not using him in the same sentence with Clowney, even though I am by saying <laughs> is he the most high upside pass rusher they've gotten since Clowney. So like Clowney is still the Clowney's the goat when it comes mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. prospects as pass rushers. Who since then? So every moment after Clowney who, as a pass rusher, has had more upside than him? I mean, instantly, locally, you think of Jordan Birch. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan and Jordan's upside was through the roof. But, I, you know, I remember sitting there with people who were incredibly high on Jordan who would also tell us, look, guys, it's going to take a little bit of time before Jordan lives up to all this immense potential. And I think Jordan was always going to be a little bit more of like a combo edge guy where he could get big enough to hold up against the run while also rushing the passer. Pure pass rush upside. There haven't been many at South Carolina that have the potential that Dylan Stewart has. Yeah, I think I think he's the one. And and Birch is up there in terms of the potential, but um I think Stewart is it, you know, and, and just the the profile of like he, he looks like kind of your lab grown edge right but in addition to that you look at the high school production the against the competition he played against you look at now you've got like a measuring stick performance of what he did during the week and then what he did in the game and you're right Wes consistency is something yeah that he'll have to get better there that's probably the case with about any you know lineman going from a high school level to the SEC but he he showed he had a great showing out there and I think I wouldn't be surprised if he moved up a little bit more in the rankings given what he did. Well, and it's not just the fact of what he did, you know, last night in the in the All America game, what he's done his high school career so far, but but when you look at the position that he's going into, the edge spot, which was disappointing to a degree for South Carolina for a lot of the season, he has the opportunity to come in and, and make that immediate impact. And like you said, maybe not 15 sacks as a freshman or anything like that, but significant enough playing time to hopefully be one of the guys that you're rotating in on a consistent basis on the defense. Yeah, and some of this will depend on kind of the big picture thing. What's the scheme going to look like? Is it 3-3-5? Is it 4-2-5? Is it what I'm sort of assuming, which will be kind of multiple, like kind of split between the two? But, I I mean, guys, I think when they're, when they're in their 4-2-5 look, and, you, you know, you're kind of talking more of like an edge guy as opposed to 3-3-5, even your quote-unquote edge guys are a little bit more pushed to the inside of the tackles. They have to be a little bit bigger, have to hold up against the run. Pure pass rush situations, I mean, 
this this guy is going to be on the field. We'll see how much. We'll see how quickly. We'll see what jump Dazu makes. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be part of this co- conversation. I think Cal Kennard is going to play a ton for South Carolina, but you got to think Dylan is right there in that conversation for either starter minutes again in the four two five, or maybe first guy off the bench and certainly on third down pass rush. Yeah, the shiny object syndrome of of Kennard and Stewart, who who like you said, Wes, are going to factor in very heavily. It can almost make you forget about a guy like Desu, especially given you know you go you look at like the pass rush struggles and you, say, you kind of can make the assumption. Do they not have answers there? He's still a young guy who played a lot, can get bigger, but get stronger. Uh, but this picture is another one that you know looks better given who they've brought in. And you'll have the opportunity to see South Carolina's other five-star and Josiah Thompson coming up on Saturday in the All-American Bowl on NBC and Peacock at 1 o'clock. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next, the halftime show with myself here on The Game. <laughs> 